We will be in the book of Genesis um, this evening, the book of Genesis, carrying on from where Pastor Carl had left off. It literally seems like forever ago at this point. Um, for those of you who work in the school system, you know what I'm talking about right now. I'm the principal here at the school and got to a point where I didn't know what day of the week it was. I never understood how people don't know what day of the week it is. And um, yesterday I was like, do I teach today? Like, what day is it? Like, where are we at? And um, so it's actually cool to be around people again and, and all that kind of stuff to get prepped for next week. So um, hope you guys had a great Christmas and a happy new year. We had our kids in town from college. One has already left. One leaves sad, sadly this Sunday. And, um, and then it's back to normal as for all of us at that point. So, but um, we will be in Genesis chapter 11, Genesis 11, starting in verse 10. Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, I thank you so much for this evening. I thank you for um, the privilege. Just thank you for your word, Lord. We are, we are just blessed to have um, your word, the Bible, to read, to be educated by you, not by some other philosopher or some other thought process, but, but God, your holy word here in front of us that we get to read that we get to study, that we get to apply to our life, and the Holy Spirit speaks to us through it. And um, so thankful that we have a God that cares for us and loves us that much, um, that not only do you give us life and creation as we've seen, and um, not only have you provided a way for forgiveness of our sins, Lord, I think you've given us the Holy Spirit to be a counselor to help us to continue to walk through life. And thank you for your word that we can study and that we can memorize and um, hide our, your word in our heart that we might not sin against you, Lord. And um, just the blessing we have to have such a great and mighty and awesome and loving God in you. I pray for those that are in here this evening. It's the beginning of the new year, Lord, and coming in and getting ready for this excitement of what's coming up, or maybe we're nervous of the things that are coming up this year, Lord, but um, in your presence is joy. Lord, we come to you now knowing that you are the great comforter, you are the one who answers our prayers. You are the one who walks with us through every valley, through every mountaintop, Lord. And that's who we come to serve tonight, Lord. And we ask this in your name, amen. So I titled this message, um, Ready, Set, Go. And at the end of the message, a little teaser for you, you'll kind of understand at the end of the message of what the go means at that point. So kind of an intro of where we're at because we haven't been here for three weeks at this point. So Pastor Carl uh, left us off um, in chapter 11 here that we're getting ready to start. But even before that, Mike Hale did a wonderful job opening up Genesis and the science behind the creation um, and not evolution. You know, as most of us, probably all of us in this room don't believe in the evolution science, um, but to have the understanding from a scientific mind, and he did a great job, and probably the last time, we don't want to keep embarrassing you, Mike, but um, it is on YouTube, it is on our site that you can find, but he did a fantastic job stuff that I don't even understand, most of it of what he talked about, but it was really, really cool to watch and look at it and be like, that is absolutely amazing how, like, I got the RPM thing, car guy, you know, I was there on that one. I was like, that's impossible that something could move at like 15,000 RPMs or something like that or more. It's absolutely amazing of just the science behind creation. Again, disproving any idea that some random thought, some random happening happened 
to create even these simple cells that they called simple cells that, that had to happen, but only through a, 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 a where's the word that's in there, a designer, a, 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 you know it, a designer, okay? <laughs> that's when you don't go off your notes, okay? So step one, if you ever want to be up here, don't go off your notes. So and a designer, so it had to be from God, the one that created this. There was a thoughtful designer behind the process and he understood what he was doing and had it all planned out to be able to make these simple cells and that turned into us and the, the plants that you see and, and this, the organisms and everything that you look around you. Of course, we just look at the Bible and go, you know, you just look at creation and know that there has to be a creator. I mean, you just can't look at these things and think that this just randomly happened for us to be where we're at, us to have a conscious, us to have a thought process to be able to do, to do this. Pastor Carl then continued on from there, and he moved into creation. And again, we, I, he does as well, believe in a literal seven days. I don't think that there's a gap theory, personally. I don't think that there's thousands of years, days. I don't think there's thousands of hours, days. I think that God didn't even need 24 hours. God could have just spoke, it was done, and everything could have been created at that point. I have absolutely no problem with that. Day one, just a condensed version of where we started off with, day one was light. He created light out of nothing. He created the atmosphere in day two. On day three, he created the dry ground and he created the plants that are on the dry ground. On day four, he created the sun and the moon and the stars that we see in the sky. And again, too, if you even look at NASA and they have the Hubble telescope and they have the new one now that's even better to be able to see out further. Uh, again, I'm not a person that has a problem that thinks that that light had to be created billions of years ago to travel here. I think, again, God could create anything he wanted and in the expanse of it happening, he can make it happen. Day five with birds and the sea, creature, the sea creatures. Day six was the land animals and, and us, the humans. And then day seven, the Sabbath, the day of rest. Or for my case, the last two and a half weeks of day of rest, which has been a pretty awesome Sabbath. One of the commentaries I was reading is Morris, and he put it this way. He says, the only proper way to interpret Genesis 1 is not to interpret it at all. That is, we accept the fact that it is what it is meant to say, exactly what it says. The days are literal days, and the events described happened in just the way described. This incomparable first chapter of Scripture tells us what we could never learn any other way, the history of creation. He moves into Exodus 20, verse 11. It says, For in six days the Lord made the heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Wherefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed in it. Isn't that amazing? It's, it's not a point where you have to sit there all the time and just look at something and go, oh, I gotta dig really into this and try to figure out the science behind it or try to figure out what was God thinking when he did this or just, just take it for the text that it is. God explained it. And if I could understand God's understanding and his mind and his thoughts, then God wouldn't be God. His thoughts are much greater than mine, and I actually find comfort in that, knowing that I serve a God who has greater thought process and greater capacity than I could ever have. I have no problem having submission to a God that knows all things, and that I don't, that I never will. My little pea brain that I have is not able to take in all of that information or to even be able to grasp the thought process behind creating everything to the detail that God did. So you don't have to go to a point where we try to interpret every single thing. 
The greatest part about this is that God gave it to us and explained exactly how creation happened. Well, from there we moved on and we moved into Adam and, and then Eve, you know, and I won't do the awesome joke as far as Adam and then he saw woman for the first time and said, whoa, man, and Although I said it, but anyways, so. Um, so then there was the fall after that. They're, they're at the tree, and then there's the fall. They eat the fruit that they're not supposed to be eating. And then there's the curse. There's a curse because of what they had eaten. And so they go from the Garden of Eden where everything was perfect and wonderful, and we wouldn't have had to work, and everything was lush and perfect. And now, now we do. And now there's a curse for that. And man will work by the sweat of his brow and, and, and woman will have you know, pain in her childbirth. And, and, and so we are in the process of now we're outside of the Garden of Eden and now we're in a sin-filled world that we live in. And because of that now too, we have that sin seed within each of our own hearts. That even goes to, for the children that are in the children's ministry right now that, trust me, those kids, I, I work with 106 of them every, you know, each day, is there's sin in each of those kids. They weren't taught that. They just automatically come by it. The fact is that we even know it as adults. We know what sin is, and we still continue to do it because it's still in there, and we're still fighting it. And then come along Cain and Abel, and Cain rises up against Abel and kills his brother. And again, even in that story, Cain and Abel is the fact of how gracious God was when he was talking to Cain. He was trying to give him that, Cain, why, why are you upset? Where is your brother at? Trying to give him an out to say, look, I know what your intention is. There's many times in our own life where you're, you're about to do something that you shouldn't do and you have a gracious God that comes alongside of you and nudges you and tells you, hey, look, are you sure you should be doing this right now? The phone rings or somebody comes up and asks you a question and that's a gracious God trying to give you an out to be able to say, look, don't do that thing that you're about to do. That's a loving God. It's not a God that's sitting there waiting to just, as the, you know, the image that we had growing up, that there's a God that's just waiting to smack you on the back of the head because you did something wrong. No, it's a gracious God that says, I, I love you. My, my son died for that. I don't want you to do that thing. And he warns you, and he warned Cain, and Cain still rises up against his brother Abel and kills him. And then it continues to move on, and we got to Noah. Um, which was, I think, th the three weeks ago, there were two parts of Noah. Noah was the only righteous man on the earth. God decides to go ahead and flood it. And we, we talked about the flood happening as well, too. And, and, and again, just the imagery, sometimes I like to sit there and think, what was it that they were thinking when they were on that boat? I mean, again, we're amazed that the animals show up, amazed that they, they build this huge boat. I mean, you know, my back hurt just from putting up Christmas lights the other day. And, you know, I'm 50-something years old. And Noah's, you know, ancient at that point. And, and he builds a boat, you know, with his boys, you know. And Jonathan helped me put the lights up. But it was amazing just putting those things up in the attic. You know, you wake up the next day and you're just, you're just sore. And Noah was just built better, you know. He just was able to do this and, and to build this. And, and then he gets on the boat and all these animals are on there. And then the water starts to rise. You know, in the humanness, we, we just see that and we move to the next verse. And I mean, there's people on the outside of that boat that are screaming to get on. There's people on that outside of that boat that are drowning, that have no place to sit anymore. Or they're climbing up trees. Or they're there's a humanness, I think, sometimes that we miss when we read the Bible that we just move to the next verse or we just turn the page and another hundred years goes. And we miss the humanness of, you know, Noah had to listen to that. Noah had to hear those people screaming. 
There's too many times in our own life that if we had ears to hear that there's people around us that are doing the same thing. They're screaming out to us, hey, look, I, I, I say I don't want that God that you serve, but man, I love the life that you live. I love the peace that you have when you go to a church building and I, I love the peace that you have with your family and I love the peace that you have with your God and, and, and I want that. There are people in our lives that are screaming out on the outside of that boat that want to hear about Christ. And it's our job to, we're not in a boat. We, we're not in that boat where Noah is and with the animals, we're, we're out and that's our job is to go out there and to, to tell the good news and to, to allow people an opportunity to repent and to have this relationship with a God that we know that loves them very much. And so Noah's on this boat and the waters are rising and he, he's listening to these screams. Well, then the next part is we move into the descendants of Noah and, and I think that's actually where Pastor Carl finished last time and we, we move through the genealogy of that with Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And it's, and it's important for the lineage that we have these lineages because the genealogies point everything from Christ back to the beginning. And all this is for prophecy purposes. So when we read these lineages and these genealogies, it's, it's, and we're gonna, I'll admit ahead of time, we're not gonna skip some of these names today, but it's, it's a point where, you know, they're hard to read. They just are. There's not our language. They're, they're not common day words that we use. You know, every kid in a church is either John or Mark or Luke. You know I mean? We, we got those, but... There's not too many JPEGs walking around, you know what I mean? So it's, it's words that we don't use all the time, and so it's difficult and it's intimidating. You know, when I, usually when I'm with the middle school, I just tell them when they're reading, like, just say it with confidence and move on. Nobody will know the difference. But it's hard for us, and they're, they're lined up there, and you're like, who are these people anyways? Well, they're people that their names are in the Bible. My name's, my name's not in the Bible. And so there's a purpose, and God purpose for that name to be in the Bible so it has value to it. And in this case, it's a lineage leading Christ back to the very beginning because that was what was prophesied. So here we, we're gonna pick up, it's, it's Shem, but as, as one person put it, while genealogies may at first glance appear irrelevant, they hold an important place in scripture. Genealogies bolster the historicity, and, and you can tell that that's not my word, historicity of scripture. They confirm prophecy and they provide insight into the character of God and the lives of his people. Study your Old Testament. You continue to hear Pastor Carl say that on Sundays. Why? Because, again, I agree, is you cannot understand the New Testament without an understanding of what the Old Testament is. It's the beginning of the year. Everybody should have got their U version out or, or their talk to the word or something, and they should start their, your Bible study for that you're gonna do this year should be started at this point, okay? Uh, if it's not, go home tonight, and you're only a couple days behind, but you can get through it in a year, and it doesn't, and again, if you fall behind, don't feel the pressure, you know, like, oh, I gotta be on here so I can get, you know, like get another day but I don't ruin my streak or something like that. But get on there and make sure that you're doing it with the sole purpose of I want to know your word, God. Not so that my friends can see that, oh, he's had 190 days of, of a perfect streak. Man, that guy is incredible. You know, he reads his word every day. No, be in there so I can get something out of from God. I wanna understand your word better. I wanna understand what these genealogies are. Who are these people? And can I encourage you, the first time you read through, you're not gonna understand a lot. You get to Leviticus and you get to Numbers and you're gonna be like, well, what are these laws? My goodness, is he saying the same thing again? Like, what are we doing here? You know, why is he repeating everything? 
you get to the second year and things really do start to slow down. And then all of a sudden, you're, coincidence, you're in the New Testament and you're, all of a sudden you're like, wait, I think I just read that in the Old Testament over here. Let me shoot back over here and look it up. Study your Old Testament. Be in your word every single day. If there's nothing else that you remember from today, be in your word every single day. Be seeking God's word and allow him to be the one that speaks to you. Get in there and know your Bible so that 1 Peter 3.15, be prepared at any time to give a defense of the word. Well, if I don't know how to give a defense of the gospel unless I'm in the word of God, you have to be in the word of God to be able to do that. That's just kind of, God's not gonna supernaturally, he could, but he's like, I want you to do your work. I want you to get in the labor, to get in there, memorize the word, study these stories. They're fantastic stories. We're about to move into an incredible area of scripture with Abraham that it's, it's wonderful, it's easy area to read. Study it and know it. The importance of Genesis is huge. It's, it, it, it's the beginning of all creation. It, it's, everything is created at this point. In the beginning, God created the heaven. God, there was nothing. And then there's creation. There's mankind that is created. The need and the plan for our redemption is created during this time. Civilizations. There's never been a civilization until it's recorded now in Genesis. There's laws that are created. There's family is created. Marriage is created. And the overall order of God. You, you serve a God that is so great in detail, not only in the simple cells that we talked about with, with Mike, but also just in the great order of, of his ability to keep the genealogies perfect, to be able to work people's in, in their lives to be able to, to work through civilizations. I mean, just the, the detailed part of what God is doing at all times, it's just incredible if you think about it. That even tonight, God knew that you were going to be here. God knew that I was going to speak. Prayerfully, he's speaking through me right now, that it's not just me. As we go home tonight, God is already knowing what you're, the, the detail that you, your God has is amazing. And that's the loving part, again, of this wonderful God that we serve. Which brings us now to Genesis eleven, ten, and another genealogy. And like I said, I'm, I'm not going to read these names. And, and for the record, I could, because I did take the time to phonetically write them out for us. Um, but I decided not to do that for time, you know, and also my personal embarrassment. Um, but, but the importance of the genealogy of Shem is, is seen in Luke chapter 3. And as I mentioned before there, we're not going to turn there, but it's as the line of the Messiah comes through Shem. So if you read Luke chapter three, we just got done with the Christmas story. If you looked at it, Shem is in there. And that's the important part, again, of why this lineage is here. We also notice a slowing of chronological time. Okay, so as we've been reading the last nine chapters, 10 chapters of Genesis, chronologically, man, we have been flying. You know, we've, we've had the creation. We're going through hundreds of years. You turn a page, it's almost 100 years at each time that you're turning the page. I mean, things have just been going so fast and at this point in, the, in, the, in Genesis, things are gonna slow down tremendously. It's also gonna slow down in the Bible study as well too, as we're probably not going to be doing two and three chapters you know, for quite some time. And actually tonight, we're only gonna get through just part of, of uh, the first chapter, uh, first verse of chapter 12. And then even next week, we'll probably only do a couple verses then as well too, because there's so much that's going on setting up Abraham that we wanna take the time to properly do it. But everything is starting to slow down. Why? Because things have been set up by God that this is where we're at now. We'll also be looking at, um, at Abraham right now. 
as we move into chapter, verse 27, it says right here, it says, this is the genealogy of, of Terah. Terah begot Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran begot Lot. And Haran died before his father Terah in his native land and Ur of the Chaldeans. Then Abraham and Nahor took wives. The name of Abraham's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, and the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and the father of Ishkah. But Sarai was barren, she had no child. And Terah took his son Abram, and his grandson Lot, and the son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarah, and his son Abraham's wife, and they went out with them from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan, as they came from Haran and dwelt there. So the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. So here we are introduced to Abram, Abram, who soon will be Abraham. The meaning of Abram is exalted father. And so if you know anything about Abram or Abraham, you probably have because you've probably been in children's ministry where you've heard, you know, Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham. I'm, thank you, thank you. So let's just praise the Lord. All right, good job. A little interactive. So we also find out that he also will be the great patriarch. And a patriarch is just the founder or ruler of a tribe, family, or clan. And so typically we think of Abraham as, a, as the great patriarch, his son Isaac as a patriarch, Jacob, his son, the 12 sons of Jacob, and even King David in Acts 2.29 says that he was a patriarch as well too. And so they're the, they're the leaders, they're the beginnings of this, of this nation that God's about to promise to Abraham that we'll read, start reading next week. Um, Genesis, Genesis covers over 2,000 years in its total, 2,000 years and more than 20 different generations. Nearly one-third of Genesis will cover the life of Abram. One-third. It's an important man because it's, it's the beginning of everything. He's the one that's gonna be promised the land that he's about to go into. And he came out of a family that also worshiped other gods. So as he came out of, of Ur, um, they were known for just idol worship and, and moon worship actually is what they were known for. Joshua 24, 2 says, And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, your fathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham and the father of Nahor, dwelt on the other side of the river in old times, and they served other gods. And so you see this man of, of faith that we, we're going to learn about soon, and, and I think this is an encouragement to us. You know, Abraham didn't come out of the perfect family that was going to church, and they were actually worshiping the, worshiping the correct God what they were doing is they were idol worshiping. And so this, the encouragement to me is, the encouragement to us should be tonight is that it doesn't matter your family past. Okay, so it doesn't matter that, Kevin, I didn't come from the greatest family. You know, we, we kind of didn't do, we didn't go to church when I was young. And, you know, I had this as my father or this as my mom or, you know, I even did this in my past. And it, that doesn't matter. The interesting thing to me is that, 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 there's a, that we serve a bigger God that, that doesn't depend on what your social or economic area of your life is. God chose you, and God chose me, and God chose Abraham here. And we've got a bigger God that doesn't have to have the perfect person lined up to be able to do this job. I think the encouraging part is that Abraham didn't come out of the perfect background. 
He didn't have the, the father that worshiped the God that we're about to study that he's about to find, but he worshiped many gods. And here's a man that, that is called by God to be able to serve him because he has a plan for his life. See, it doesn't matter if you're, if you're rich. It doesn't matter if you're poor. It doesn't matter if you're smart. It doesn't matter if you're, you're not smart. What matters is that you have a relationship with a God that, that has a calling on your life. And Christian, where are you tonight in that? I mean, do, do you rest in that fact? Are you encouraged by that fact? I mean, do you allow the world or do you allow the past to be able to, to rise up in your mind, whether it's at night when nobody's around or when you're on your way to your job or you're, you're leaving your job to head home and and all of a sudden, all that anxiety and all that angst that you have been holding in, in your, inside of your heart for years, you know, God released you of that. You know, he forgave you. It's time to not allow those things of the past to be able to, to be anchors on your life to hold you back, to not be able to do the calling that God has placed on your life. Eventually, we'll see um, Moses, you know, will we'll come to him and he actually talks back to God and says, man, I, I can't do that. God's like, what are you talking about? You can't do that. I called you to do something. Don't, don't be that person. If God's got a calling on your life, and I believe that he does, I can quote several scripture verses to help you with that, then walk in that. Don't allow the mistakes of your past to be the one that, that stops you or stumbles you from being able to move forward within whatever God has called you to do today. Don't allow those to be excuses to hold you back from doing things that God's called you to do today. Acts 10, 34, then Peter opened his mouth and said, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. Here he's talking to them and saying, look, whether you're Jew or Gentile, it doesn't really matter. I know God cares for everybody. He loves everybody. Don't allow that to be something that holds you back in your life. Where are you from? Are you from Ur? Are you from Calvary? None of that matters. You're here tonight. Walk with Jesus. Instead, we look at, 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 at the book of Hebrews, and the Hebrew, book of Hebrews calls Abraham a, a man of faith. A man of faith. It's something that I wish or hope that I can be called in my life, that I'm a man of faith. That I just have this disbelief that, man, I, it's going to happen. Why? Because it's the Lord. We were listening to a song on the, I don't know if it's this afternoon or on the way here this evening, and um, it doesn't mean that your every prayer will be answered the way that you want it to be answered. It doesn't mean that you're not going to go through struggles in life because I, I worship a God, that he's going to be the one that provides the answer to that. But, but it will be that God will be with you through every step that you take. So whether you're going through that valley, whatever you're going through in your life, can I, can I tell you, God is with you. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, man, my shepherd is with me. Are you on that mountaintop right now? I, I can tell you right now, your, your God is with you. He's walking with you hand in hand. And sometimes, you know, the old poem that they had, you know, it's the two sets of feet, um, steps on the sand. And then there was one when they were going through the hardest time and that's when God was, or Jesus was carrying the person. I know that that's an old illustration, but it's, it's true. 
Maybe sometimes in our life it's us, you know, you see the drag marks where our feet are being drugged through the sand as well too, but, you know, that's probably me at times. But I encourage you that, you know, that's a wonderful area of your life to be able to continue to grow in in your faith and your trust in the Lord. And can I repeat myself going back to the very beginning is that comes through reading the word of God, studying the word of God, the Holy Spirit empowering you in your, your faith. Why? Because I read these stories and I understand that these things are true. I understand that these things really happened and I understand that I have a loving God that is so faithful walking me through my life. We could have a testimony night and there would be wonderful testimonies of people coming up and talking about the things that had happened in their life and where they are now and just the miracles of what God has done and, and that's incredible but he's still working miracles in everybody's life. But again, just because he doesn't perform that miracle doesn't mean that God is still not in control. Amen? So Abraham's a man of faith, but, and I say but, the Bible also show Abraham's lack of faith as well. We'll see that as well. Abraham will make decisions not based on faith in God's ability to protect or to provide but on his own ability to think quickly to solve the problem. You know, there's probably the man that's in him, you know, that rises up and, and quickly, oh yeah, I can get through this. I can hustle something. I can make this happen. And, you know, honey, just, just tell him you're my sister to be all good. You know, we're fine. Don't, don't tell him this. And he's just gonna hustle and he's gonna find a way to get out of whatever problem that he's going through. Why? Because it's not the trust within God that he's relying on. It's the fact that he's, sitting there and he's acting in his own non-faith Abraham. This is the beauty of the Bible that I think personally, though. I love the fact that the Bible, it doesn't sugarcoat, you know, the weaknesses of men and women in the Bible, of people that we look up to. Noah, in Genesis 9, he was drunk. You know, gets off the boat, and yes, some people can say, well, he didn't know it was going to be fermented, and he didn't really know that it was going to be alcohol. At some point when he was drinking it, you know, I'm pretty sure that he felt that something that I shouldn't be doing right now. King David, his affair. You know, King David sitting up on the, on the top of his, his house, looking down in, in a time where kings went out to battle. David had already started drifting from the Lord and the responsibilities that he had as a king, and he's up on top of his, his thing, and he's looking down, and there's beautiful Bathsheba. You know, maybe it's a guy in the room and you're just scrolling through your phone or you're watching something on TV that you know that you shouldn't be watching. You know, then just that, that tent, that, that desire rises up inside of you and all of a sudden now you're doing something. And then, then he goes on and he kills her husband and so that he can, I mean, it just, it, it just snowballs. But David was a friend of God. Moses murdered We'll get to Moses in some year. Moses murdered. He rose up and killed an Egyptian because he was going to be the one that rescues and he's gonna save his people that way and God didn't ask him to do it that way. He rises up and murders. Rahab, she's a prostitute. She's a woman of the night but shows faith and trust in God and is in the lineage of Jesus as well. Saul, who can then becomes Paul as a murderer, 
you know, Saul is such a desire to want to serve God and, and just wanting to do the law and wanting to do things right. He just is, well, this makes sense. And we you know, rise up and, and, and stop this, this rising of people that they call Christians and, and they're wrong. And I'm going to, to tear their families apart and I'm going to take them and the Sanhedrin, we're going to kill these people and we're going to get rid of them. And then, and then Jesus reaches them on the highway. You know, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Lord, I, wouldn't, I don't want to persecute you. And then Saul takes that same vigor and that same excitement, that, that same, and his name is changed to Paul and he turns 180 degrees and he's, you know, full on serving Jesus in his ministry. But he was a murderer first. So again, I go back to you and say, well, what is it that's in your past? So many times it's hard for us, you know, Jesus has forgiven you, God has forgiven you of your sin and the things that you've done in your past, but it, we're over here and we're just continuing to bring it up. Lord, I can't imagine that you would forgive somebody like me. I can't imagine that you would want to forgive somebody. And it's a point where we have taken over the Godship of our own life. That's a sin. You know, if God is willing to forgive you, then, then who am I to rise up in the position of God and not forgive myself? Don't allow, again, don't allow the things of the past to prevent you from moving forward. If you have truly repented of those things, if you've truly asked for forgiveness, then move on, press forward, continue to serve Jesus. Again, the Bible, I, I love the fact that it shows the humanness of those people that we look up to. I mean, it's King David. You know, he wrote half the Psalms. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's like the perfect, he's a warrior and that he's a poet at the same time. You know I mean? He's, he's just like this guy, like who is this guy? You know, he's just amazing but not perfect. Only Jesus is perfect. Moves on into Genesis chapter 12, just the first verse and not even the full verse. It says, now the Lord had said to Abram, which we could stop there and probably go back to it next week. Now the Lord said to Abram, get out. This is the New King James Version. If you've got the NIV or the ESV, it says go from, and SAB says go forth. And when I was reading this about two weeks ago, starting to look over and preparing, and, and I just stopped at that verse, and I didn't even continue to go forward. I have since that point, but at the time, because I'd be really in trouble for next week, um, it, just, it just struck me of just, of just go. You know, here, here's Abraham, or Abram at the time, listening, and here's God's talking to him. And, and for us, you know, we're coming into the year 2024 and, you know, and quite honestly, it, it seems like a sci-fi movie that we're saying it's 2024, you know, for there's nobody young in here, so they don't know the difference. But for the rest of us, you're like, 2024, like that's never happened, you know, that's incredible. But like the meme that you see is like 30 years ago and you're thinking it's like the 80s or something like that or the 70s and you're like, whoa, it's 90s, like what are you talking about? Um, so the word go, it's, it just stood out to me. And here he's, he's, he's being called by God to just, to just go. There's, there's nothing else there. The beginning, it's just, it's just, just go. You know, like the Tom Brady commercial, just go. About three or two months ago, I did Matthew chapter four and it was Jesus on the, the seashore and he was calling the disciples and he said, to follow me, you know, and and they just, they just dropped their nets. It says they immediately they dropped their nets. Immediately they dropped their nets. And I joked about it at the time is, I don't know if I've ever done anything immediately in my life. 
but for them to immediately have the honest decision that I'm going to leave everything that I know to follow Jesus. My social status, my family, my friends, my future business that I was going to be handed, leaving it all to follow Christ. And here Abraham's being told to go. It's going to be to leave his country, to leave his family, to leave everything. You're going to pick up everything and get out of here. And so as I continue to just think about that in my mind, you know, Abraham's a man of faith, and so he's, he's a man that is, is, has a promise that's going to be coming to him that he'll never see, he'll never see it happen. He lives in a tent. He's a man that's super wealthy. I mean, he's just unbelievably wealthy and has, has tons of, of his servants and he has livestock. And I mean, he's, he's very well off. And he's called to go and to leave everything that he has. Well, what about us? Again, for me, everything is, 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 gets back to an application of, well, then, then what, what have I been called to do? What are, what are you being called to do? Christian, where, where are you in your, your walk with the Lord, walk with your, in your life that maybe the Lord has, has called you to go and to do something? And even as I say this, there's a, there's a check in your spirit. There's something that's, that's in your heart right now that you're like, Lord, I, I know that you, you've, you've called me to do something, and I, I don't know if I can do that because I'm counting the cost, or I, I don't have the faith to do it, or I'm, I'm, I'm still holding on to the things that I have here, and, but I'm encouraging you to, to take the step. As we move into a new year, there's, there's opportunities, and there's, there's desires of things that we want to do, and there's places that we want to go, and, and again, it doesn't mean that you're packing your bags and you're going to, to Sri Lanka or something like that. I'm not saying that it doesn't have to be as grandiose as that. It could be the fact that you're just going to talk to your neighbors about Jesus. Just that. I'm not asking you to pack your bags. You don't have to get your passport out. That's next year. But it's a point of you're to go and to do what the Lord has called you to do. Not with reservation, not with holding back anything that the Lord wants, but to be able to go. It could be to go and to make right an old relationship that is that has faltered at this point. It could be a friendship, it could be a family member, something that needs to be restored within your life? Are you willing to go and to do that in the honor of the Lord? It could be to go and to be in ministry. It could be. A few years ago, I felt the same way, and it was feeling like I was being pulled out of the job that I was doing at the time and, and felt like I needed to be in the ministry and not knowing where that was going to be, and but following the go and the drop the nets, and are you, are you willing to take a step, not knowing where that's going to be? I had no clue. But are you willing to follow in an obedient manner of what the Lord has called you to do? You know, Abraham will not be a perfect man. In the next several weeks that we read about him, that we study him, you're, you're going to see things in his life that you're going to be like, ah, I don't know about that. But Abraham is known as a man of faith because he grew in his faith as well. Your relationship will continue to grow with the Lord this year if you continue to have the faith to go when called, to study your word, to be able to be in the presence of the Lord and to walk with him. That's where faith grows. To know that, yes, everything is not gonna be perfect this year. 
I, can, I don't have a crystal ball. If you believed in those things, I can just know through experience of life that there, we all will have ups and downs this year. There will be times that you cry this year. There will be times that you'll be happy this year, sad this year, mad this year. But are you willing to do it with the Lord and to go where he's called you to go? To go back to what Pastor Carl had said this weekend, you know, if we allowed 2024 to be a year of spiritual growth, we need to accept the challenges that the Lord has for you this year. And as Pastor Carl said, the challenge for the, the church is to, to love God. Can you love God this year? Of course we can. We're in a Wednesday night. I mean, all you guys are gonna love God, right? Are you gonna grow disciples? Are you gonna be a disciple or a discipler and you're gonna go up next to somebody and say, hey man, yeah, I, 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 wanna, I wanna know more about God. Would you help me to do that? Or maybe there's somebody on your heart right now and you're like, man, I gotta go talk to that person and see if they you just wanna get together. I told you years ago, I used to do, I called it the breakfast ministry. I would meet with guys two or three times a week because I couldn't really do it in the evening time. So I would meet for breakfast and being meeting with guys meant that sometimes guys didn't show up. That's just what guys do. And so it was just <laughs> discipleship with me and Jesus at that time. But, but for, I'm telling you right now, as a guy, you could meet with somebody every single day. There's just guys that just need somebody to be able to talk to and to do life with. And it doesn't mean that you have to have, you know, everything defined as far as, you know, the Romans road, how am I gonna do this with him? You can just listen and give godly counsel back. You're like, man, I, I know what you're going through, man. I've kind of done something like that before. Hey, I, I don't know what you're going through, but, but can I pray with you? Can I follow up with you tomorrow and see how you're doing? That's discipleship. Can I tell you something? It, it requires a call to go and to do it. Are you willing to, to share Christ with others? As much as the class is wonderful, you don't have to have a class to share the, the gospel. Did you guys know that? You can just share the gospel on your own. It's amazing when you make yourself available to share the gospel, how many times that that'll just come up in normal conversation. You can mention a ministry that you're involved with. It's just that easy. And then there are other times where the Lord will just put it on your heart that you just need to talk to that person now. And you're like, I don't know that person. And he's like, I need you to go and talk to that person. And that's how it starts. Have confidence. But can I tell you something? You have to go to do it. That's the requirement that's on our life. And the thing is, you don't have to do it all on your own because the last thing that Pastor Carl talked about too is from the, from the weekend is that we get to do it together. We get to encourage each other. We as a church get to go into 2024. And we get to preach the gospel and we get to love others and we get to create disciples and we get to come back and we get to pray for each other and we get to, to come alongside of each other. Hey man, do you need help with that? Oh, I got a great booklet to help you with that. Or hey, how's it going with that person? And you're following up with them or hey, I'm gonna be in part of this Bible study. Would you be in the Bible study with me? Or, or what is it that you're going through? We get to do it together. That's the part of being in a church. That's part of being in a family is that we are family. You better look to the person left or right of you. You better like that person because you're going to be with them for all of eternity, okay? So you better start to get to know these people because you're going to be with them forever. Start ministering now and encouraging each other and encouraging each other. But again, it gets back to, as God called Abraham, is to go. And are we willing to go?
Christian, are you? Pastor, if you want to come down. Father God, thank you so much for this evening. Thank you for all that you have done for us in our lives. Thank you for the fact that you love us and care for us, that you cherish us.